If I were to ask you, who are you, how would you answer? If you're like most Americans, you might answer with, I'm a farmer, or a nurse, or a doctor, a lawyer, a uh, 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 store worker, a pianist, a organist, a flutist, a student. That isn't who you are, though. That's what you do. Who are you? And the question is one that we ought to have an answer for, because if we don't know who we are, how can we do much of anything? The question is not just an idle issue, either. It has profound effect. Who we are is, comes from our relationship, primarily our relationship with God. So I am, you are, a child of God. We are sons of our parents, for good or for ill, perhaps. We are brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, cousins. But it all starts with our relationship with God. And this, this distinction is not just an idle distinction, one that we need to have, but it's a distinction, especially as we celebrate this weekend, this Trinity Sunday, a distinction that we need to hold on to. Because so often I've heard the Trinity reduced, and perhaps you have too, every time I hear it, 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 uh, it just makes my skin crawl. Oh, it's appropriate to call God creator, redeemer, sanctifier. No, that's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. That's the first error. There's another error. I'll get to that in a little bit. But that's the first error. That's not who God is. That's what God does. Who is God? The answer for us as Christians, as Catholics, the answer is God is Trinity. Three persons perfectly united in one substance, one being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That all three persons are equal in dignity, equal in power, but different. The Father is not the Son nor the Spirit. The Son is not the Father nor the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Father nor the Son. Yet all three are God, all three united in that one substance. It's a, it's a doctrine that we can't quite wrap our heads around because, after all, we might be able to understand what it means to be a person. After all, we're all persons here. But we don't share an existence with somebody else. Husbands and wives, you live with each other and, and such, but you don't share your existence to the point that God the, God the Trinity does. That their, their internal life is so connected you don't have that kind of, we can't begin to understand that kind of union. Nor are we really in the end meant to. It's a mystery. And so often with the word mystery, we, we like to think of the Agatha Christie uh, kind of thing. I love a good mystery. You know, give me a, a good mystery novel, uh, you know, a short one, uh, that I can get through and knock off and relatively relatively quickly, or, or even better yet, a mystery movie, you know, where there's all twists and turns. And I, I love the mysteries where you don't know until the very end, and all of a sudden it's like, how could I not have known, right? But that's not the kind of mystery we're talking about here. This kind of mystery, the church mystery, is the understanding that we cannot grasp the full reality. It's something that needs to be revealed to us, which is what mystery means, Something that uh, has to be, that we can't comprehend, but yet we're invited to, under, to uh, ponder. The difference between mystery 
if you want a good analogy, is perhaps savoring a good wine. Now, you could know everything about where, where that wine is from and the variety of grapes and, you know, the particular kind of yeast that perhaps uh, fermented it or how it was fermented or uh, what it was aged in or all these things, you know, that, that doesn't help you to savor at all, does it? A good uh, wine expert will eventually have to taste the wine. And the same is true for us when it comes to the mystery of the uni- uh, unity of God, the Holy Trinity that we can't grasp it. The, the story is told of St. Augustine who, who really wanted to understand the mystery of the Trinity and he was struggling and struggling and struggling and one day he was walking along the beach and perhaps you've heard the story, there was a little boy there who had dug a hole in the sand and he was running back and forth to the ocean to, uh, with his bucket and pouring water from the ocean back into that hole and he said, little boy, what are you doing? I'm trying to put the ocean in this hole. St. Augustine looked at him and said, you can't do that, that's impossible. No more impossible than you're trying to understand the Trinity. There's a truth here. St. Thomas Aquinas reminds us, if we think we have God figured out, we do not have God figured out, but we have something less. And this this is what we still try to do, though, don't we? God is Trinity, three persons. And yes, I know we have all sorts of analogies. We have the St. Patrick analogy of the shamrock. I hate to bust your bubble, but it fails. Or some have tried to use the analogy of an apple, the, the uh, peel, the core, and the, uh, the flesh, but that fails. Or an egg fails. Or this fails, and that fails. Every analogy fails because, again, God is beyond our comprehension. There's an analogies that might help us to understand aspects, but not fullness. And as I, for, for various reasons, I'm contemplating this particular uh, philosophy teacher I had and, and a particular course, but there was a classmate of mine and, and the philosophy teacher about mid-course, uh, and we, it was philosophy of religion, and he turned to the classmate and said, do you believe God is just a big vat of tapioca pudding? It's the funniest thing I've ever heard anyone say. Well, maybe second to uh, Archbishop, I can walk, but I walk like a penguin. Yes, anyway, was the response of the classmate, who was a seminarian for exactly two more weeks before he got expelled. That's not who God is. That God is just uh, a big vat of tapioca, putting the parcels himself out, or, or three pers- one person that just reveals himself in three separate ways, or, or, or whatever. It's three persons, three separate persons. And the other part of the heresy that of creator, redeemer, sanctifier, and I, I would dare say it is, uh, it's fine to say, you know, this is what God does for us, but to reduce the Trinity to that is because all three persons, when they're working, work in every act of the any act of the holy trinity all three persons are working each in their own way consider creation read the genesis count in the beginning when god created the heavens and the earth the earth was a formless void and the spirit hovered over the waters and god said we hear the father we hear the spirit and the word that god spoke is the Son. Or consider 
the act of redemption. Yes, we want to reduce that to Christ, but it's God the Father who sent his Son, God the Father's plan for for our redemption, the Holy Spirit who fulfills that redemption in us. Or sanctification. Yes, we sometimes reduce that to the presence of the Holy Spirit on us, but that Holy Spirit is present in us because of Jesus Christ and because God the Father sends the Holy Spirit. All three persons are active when one is active, each in their own way. Unlike us, they don't step on each other's toes. It's a perfect communion. This, this is the reality that we worship. This is a reality of who the Trinity is. This is who God is in and of himself. Three persons. And we're invited into this pondering. This is one of the invitations that we have on this Trinity Sunday, to ponder the mystery, knowing that we'll never understand it. But just because we're not going to understand it doesn't mean we're not led to thank God for it. And see, we worship him. This is the difference between worship and praise, by the way. Worship is when we praise, or when we, we glorify God for who he is. Praise is where we thank him for what he does. Both are good, both are necessary. But we want to worship the right God. And so we worship God as Trinity. The other invitation we have today is to remember that if God is uh, an eternal communion, if they're co-eternal with each other, all three persons, and they're united perfectly in love, then so too must we be, because we're created in the image and likeness of God, too. And like I said, though, we're not, we're not going to share in the union or the existence or the essence of somebody else, but we are called to live in communion with each other. The God models the Holy Trinity. God, God is the Holy Trinity and models to us perfect communion. And especially husbands and wives, you are to be a model of that union, of living together in love. And though we fail and do it so imperfectly, that does not negate the model. And the other invitation, and probably the greatest, as we ponder the Holy Trinity this weekend, or we're supposed to ponder it every day, every minute, every second of our lives, but especially this weekend, is to remember that while we cannot fully understand in this life, we will see in the next. The invitation to the beatific vision that the saints already enjoy, the angels enjoyed from the first moment of their existence, to ponder the, that who God is in and of himself, to see it, this last year, I have to admit, time and time and time again, this image of seeing God as he is has come deep, deep into my prayer. To see God as he is. This is the joy of those who have died in the love of God. Those who have died faithful to Jesus Christ. Those who love him. That they will have all of eternity to ponder the mystery of three persons in one existence never fully understanding, but constantly worshiping him for what he is. This weekend, these invitations are ours, as they are every day, every second of our lives. Let us ponder who God is. Let us live in communion with one another, and let us seek union with him for all eternity.